before we get started today, just a quick disclaimer. All views expressed are our own and do not indicate the opinions of any employers or clients for whom we work. The recommendations or advice given in this podcast may or may not be right for you, depending on the circumstances. Please bear this in mind before taking any action. Hello and welcome to Charting Tracks. I'm Chris O'Gorman. I'm joined today by my wonderful co-hosts Amir Yacoub and Ben Hennessy-Garside. Uh, Amir is a producer, engineer, Grammy winner, co-owner of Bison Production Studios and director of Garnish Music London. Ben is a highly esteemed voice coach, multi-instrumentalist, composer and producer, as well as being a music uh, lecturer at Leeds Conservatoire where he teaches popular music course and has also worked as an A&R scout. I am Chris. Uh, I'm a digital marketing strategist. I was formerly head of digital at Capital Records UK. Uh, I've also worked at Sony Music, uh, where I was a digital marketing manager. I've also been a music journalist and now run artist development, branding and marketing uh, consultancy for developing artists. And today on this episode, we are going to be talking about building a fan base. So... We've previously on uh, episodes before this discussed about artists' early development, defining their artist's brand, their artist's identity, their sound. So this, at the stage of a building fan base now, we're at the stage in the artist's growth in their, in their sort of uh, development where they have their artist identity broadly defined they have their sound they maybe have a live act and now they want to bring that to an audience and build a fan base so how do they do it and that's going to be the subject today um i'm going to talk a little bit about what the kind of building blocks are for for building a fan base and uh, and where to start you know, when you're actually trying to find a fan base. And and the, th the first thing is actually to ask some key questions. And I think this is something that artists maybe don't do straight away. They, you know, kind of stumble upon it. But actually, I think it's a helpful thing to do is to actually ask these key questions. And the first one is, what is, what does your audience actually look like? Who would your audience be? Mm. Um, and that can begin with, okay, well, what other artists am I like? what if i was to compare myself with other artists and most artists don't want to do this because i always want to say oh i'm i'm just uh i'm not quite like anything you know nobody <laughs> wants to hear that what they want to hear is i'm a little bit like that compared with that or that crossed with that um and i think i've said that in previous um in previous yeah. episodes where you can say this is broadly what i'm like and these would be some of the similar artists that i would like to compare myself to and then you think okay so what does those artists what are the what are the characteristics they have in common so it's things like what stage of life are they at broadly what ages do they tend to be um and these are all generalizations and obviously there are always exceptions to this so it's not so so much that this is the hard and fast but it's what are the patterns that you tend to see um and i think then you start looking at what their behaviors are on um online what their behaviors are in the real world and i think the thing to just zoom out for a second just go okay well what is an audience what is a fan base you know what are the elements of that and obviously a fan base is when somebody has bought into you and i don't mean paid i mean although it, often it does mean that i mean they 
like you as an artist to the point where they want to follow you on social media, they want to sign up to your mailing list, they want to stream your music, they are engaged with you on an ongoing basis. And that's the difference between a fan and somebody that's just hearing your music. Mm. But to become a fan, you have to reach that person in the first place. And so what I want to talk about just briefly is what the music buying audience or the music consuming audience looks like and how you break it down. And in my time working at Universal and at Sony, uh, as well as my consultancy work now, there's some fundamentals that we, that I've kind of worked with in sort of looking at the music consuming audience. And that is that there are essentially four key types of music audience. So a number one, so there's the fanatics, there's enthusiasts, there's casuals, and then there's indifference. So fanatics obviously goes pretty much, it's pretty obvious, does what it says on the tin. It, these are the people that are extremely invested in music, are probably musicians themselves, or at least aspiring musicians in some way. Um, they are the first to kind of find out about a new artist. They tend to be the person in their friendship group that finds out about new artists and new bands before anybody else does. And they're the ones that the rest of their friends look to. They're the ones that are going to be on music industry blogs. They're going to be hyper um, invested in new talent, new music. Um, they're going to know what's going on. Then there's the enthusiasts who are still very engaged, very, you know, that again, they probably read the blog to probably listen to specialist radio, um, but they're not quite as intense and they may not, they're probably not going to be musicians themselves, but they are, they, uh, music makes up a lot of their identity. It's actually, it's still a big part of who they are. So there'll be festival goers, they'll go to gigs a lot. Um, they'll be a little bit more informed um, in terms of their music discovery by kind of what's hot and what's coming up. And they'll look to the fanatics for mm -hmm. that. Then there's the casuals. And these are the people that generally... Um, aren't you know music's part of their life but it's not the thing that it's not a core uh it's not a core driver for them so you know they'll tend to engage with what's on commercial radio what's in the charts um what they see on tv um and they'll have a few artists that they like but they're not you know they're not going out trying to find the newest the newest artist they're not you know they'll go to gigs and stuff but they'll be once that artist has probably already got a little bit of mainstream uh, success and uh, some general awareness. Um, so they'll tend to be more about not necessarily just the sort of charts, but they'll be kind of what's in the mainstream media. Um, and then, the, and I hate that phrase, but, <laughs> but the, it is uh, what it is. Um, and then there's the fourth um, segment, which is the indifference. And these are the people um, that uh, they might buy one album a year, two albums a year tops. They Music is a very small part of their life, but there'll be one or two artists that they love. Mm. Um, and they'll come back to that. And I'd say somebody like my mum's probably fits into this segment, actually. Like she's got the artist that she loves. And if they bring out an album, she's probably going to buy it. it but it, and, and, and if that particular artist, so like Barbara Streisand, for instance, my mom will be all about Barbara Streisand. If Barbara Streisand brings something something out, she's going to buy it. If something Dion does, she's going to bring, she's going to buy it. Um, but other than that, it will probably just be the biggest new release of that year. Mm. And that's 
again, this is really like there are completely um, bits in between this. You know, there's people that maybe traverse some of these areas, um, but that's sort of like the principles of what a music audience, uh, music consuming audience looks like. And they can have, you know, the kind of range from different genres across those sort of three, across those four verticals. Um, They range in age ranges, of course. I mean, what we look at being a music consuming audience is anyone that's going to pay to download or stream or buy a ticket, generally Mm. speaking. How does that? So that's my kind of view of it, of my, my evil record label, uh, <laughs> you know, view of it, of putting people into these columns and, you know, put then drilling further down into the audience demographics, you know, what blogs they listen to, uh, sorry, what blogs they read, what radio stations they listen to, mm. what social media networks they tend to be on. And as I go through this in a bit more detail, you'll see that there tends to be trends but how does that stack up where with uh with you ben and you amir when you think about um artists and when you're working for artists how much awareness of that um how much awareness would you say that they have of the music consuming audience and who their audience is um right so some some of my students like they they get it um and they and they they accept that but lots and lots of them um and i've been here myself as well feel there's something kind of uh almost evil about that like <laughs> taking people and putting them in categories um and they i, I mean they, in a way there kind of is right because there's you know we live in a fairly liberal society so there's you know there's stuff around letting people be whoever they are and not, not boxing people in and not making assumptions, you know, this thing about judging people. And, um, and there's a fear that in the act of taking potential, like potential fans and some, and, and categorizing them in the way that you've talked about, there's something mm. dehumanizing about that, mm. you know, as far as dealing with your, your fans is concerned. Um, I think the, the truth is it kind of is dehumanizing, but then the other truth is, well, what else are we going to do? Hmm. Um, and we need some kind of framework so that we we can navigate it. So, um, and I, I think this is the this is the key. It's like if somebody comes to your gig and they don't happen to sit within whatever framework you, you're using to categorize people, they don't happen to sit within that framework. It's not like you're going to send them away mm. and be like, no, you're not a fanatic. You know, the musicians, uh, the the fans that that I'm uh, I'm attracting are fanatics only and if you aren't a fanatic and you don't tick all those boxes and yep. you come to one of my gigs then i'm going to kick you out no one is suggesting that right that's the first thing like if somebody wants to give you money you take their money come one come all and if come somebody <laughs> if please somebody, buy something <laughs> all right and if somebody loves your stuff and is moved by it and wants to participate in in whatever it is that you're doing you know like let's just ditch the whole money thing right it's if, if they're if they're wanting to reach reach you and reach out to you and and listen to your stuff and kind of be in uh, communication with you then no one anywhere is saying don't communicate with those people i think the the main reason for all this is that like there's just too much world uh to focus on you can't be all things to all people 
and so and that's just a truth and so one of the things that humans do when there's just too much world to deal with is we start creating categories to help us cope with reality and so this is just an example of that right it's like you know in the uk market is potentially everybody in it right yeah uh so you know we're talking what 60 60 million people yeah right how 62 million 63 million something like that i think so yeah and 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 actually, it's interesting that you said population size, just because I have a breakdown here. Ah, okay. Because I think it's interesting. So yeah. I think we said, so let, let's say give or take like two million. Say so we're talking broadly 60 yeah. million people. Mm. Um, the fanatics make up 5 million. In the, and this is just in the UK. The enthusiasts make up 11 million. Casuals make up 12 million. And indifference make up 16 million. Wow. So, doesn't quite add up exactly because then you go hang on so there's something beyond indifferent (laughs) (laughs) which is weird to think but um like children isn't there or something because yeah so there'll be people that yeah that aren't um that aren't yeah it doesn't catch exactly so anybody sort of and generally kind of traditionally labels have looked at this uh, marketing teams have looked at this as um 15 ages 15 and upwards actually it's it's 13 and upwards now because and the reason for that is that the age at which you can legitimately sign up to be on a social media network for most of the core channels is 13 so they look at anybody 13 and up as a potential music fan even though obviously you could be younger than that yeah they don't get included in the um in in the sort of audience data yeah so five million, and we're talking about roughly sixty million. So that's one twelfth. Yeah. One mm-hmm. in twelve people is is would sit within the fanatic category, right? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, did you say eleven? Uh, eleven yeah, million so is the rough, is the next one, which is the enthusiasts. Very very roughly, then one in six, and then very very roughly, kind of the same again for the next the next. Yeah, category. casuals at twelve million. Yeah, casuals. At, at 12 and then yeah and difference have this the largest which uh, is 16 16 million. yeah yeah so you're talking about r- roughly a quarter there then aren't you of the of the total population yeah of people hmm so there's that and i think when you think about it in those terms it's like oh wow <laughs> because obviously there's people that are aware of music and will hear it in their day you know they'll hear it on the radio in the office they'll hear it on their commute you know but they may not be you know particularly engaging with it and so those people i think you're going to go okay where do you start when you're trying to build a fan base and i think it's about starting with zooming so that's the big zoomed out version of yeah okay so let's zoom all the way and go well where's my audience going to be mm. where like if i and yet to do that you have to take a step back yet again and think well what does a typical fan of me as the artist what do they look like what would they you build a profile of them you know and it starts with what other acts do they like what would they tend to like because and again this is a generalization but people do tend to gravitate towards certain genres or they tend to gravitate towards a certain aesthetic and obviously there's people that are so with the fanatics 
this is an interesting thing about how the 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 different audience segments compare to each other. Fanatics are genre agnostic. They mm. really are very open minded with music. Sometimes they like this is what I really love, but they'll be very open. If something is good, they're more concerned with is it really good, mm. and is it what they see is is it hot? Is it something new? Is it something interesting? You know, mm. the enthusiasts are a bit more a bit like about. A bit, they're still fairly genre agnostic as well. It's more like, is it cool? Am I am I supposed to be liking it? Is it cool? Okay, cool. <laughs> they want to be seen to be on that trend, um, mm. and they actually, the enthusiasts will actually, unlike the fanatics, fanatics are a bit more likely to stay with an act. So mm. I've got this my act now. I discovered them. With the enthusiasts, it's more about oh, they're you know in the BBC sound pole or something. So uh, you know, but as soon as they that artist then becomes a bit more mainstream and actually they kind of get over it and they're like okay next thing i want to find the next thing so that they don't tend to stay with that artist which is which is interesting because obviously they're we call them the hype makers because they are very good at making hype but they they don't stay with that artist so they wouldn't necessarily be they'll make a load of noise but they won't continue the journey necessarily because they're always on the hunt for what's next then with the with the casuals they um they are less genre agnostic and actually to for something to break through with them it's probably going to be in a certain area it's going to be in a certain genre of music that they happen to just like and again there's always exceptions to these yeah but um you have to find a starting ground you know yeah and i think that's the way to start with with um you know when you're building a fan profile is to literally list down okay, okay what would my fan look like what other bands and artists do they like um how old are they generally and again it's not if you and a lot, a lot of artists i will kind of go oh but they're not just one person and it's like okay, okay well what would the top three types of fan be so your primary audience your secondary audience and your sort of tertiary audience because that way, then you go, okay, I'm not excluding anyone, but these are the most likely people. These are the second most likely people. These are the third most likely people. Then you can start narrowing in on where they are because once you've defined who they are, then you need to go to them. And that's when you... So, for instance, if I was to say, um, you know, I'm a um, Radio 2 friendly act. I'm 30-something singer-songwriter, um, you know acoustic kind of thing um and i was to say okay well i'm gonna put all of my i'm gonna promote myself on tiktok and not anywhere else mm. you probably go mm, that's probably <laughs> not where you're gonna find most of your fans again there might be an exception sometimes stuff trends on there just completely out of nowhere but mm. generally speaking you'd be like mm, most of your fan base is probably going to be on facebook instagram youtube mm. um it's probably going to be a bit more of a like I wouldn't then go, oh, I want to be on um, Radio X. Because you'd be like, eh, that's, you know, more for rock hats. Mm, yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, vice versa, if I was, you know, um, a new pop act, you know, a new, very new, you know, young up-and-coming pop act, I wouldn't necessarily go and say, okay, well, I'm going to try and target the indifferent people that listen to Susan Boyle. <laughs> yeah. So it's... How do you, this is the kind of advice that I give to um, artists when I'm working with them um, about looking at building a fan profile and trying to figure out 
you know, broadly, what age groups are they? What other artists do they like and listen to? What brands maybe do they tend to like? Because you can start seeing through lines in behavior. Um, so like, for instance, I was saying like earlier with like younger, like, like the TikTok audience, for instance, you know, mm. that's their number one platform of music discovery now. And they're kind of, you know, ages, anything from sort of 13 up until about 20, generally speaking. And Spotify isn't their main platform they consume music on. SoundCloud certainly isn't. Radio certainly isn't. YouTube is, but TikTok is really their main form of music discovery. Um, and they don't tr consume traditional media in the same way. So when you're uh, an artist and you're putting together a marketing campaign, you're like, you know, you're probably not going to spend loads of time hiring a radio plugger to try and get you on, you know, traditional radio stations because actually. That's not where those audiences are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, well, I mean, ha, when, I, when I discuss this with artists, they start to, it starts coming into focus for them, I think. Yeah, and it's about resources, isn't it? It's like you've only got a certain number of resources. If you're an independent artist, particularly, yeah. When you're signed, you've got a whole lot of... <laughs> well, you've got money perhaps a bit less time. And even then, you're going to put your resources where they are yeah. most likely to be beneficial. Yeah. Everyone has some form of limitation on, on, on mm. what they can, you know, like if, if you know, if you're, if you're throwing, if you're throwing your dart or you're, you're throwing your ball at a target, right. You've got to know which direction to throw it in. Yeah. And right. so it's, it's about narrowing down, you know, really lasering in on, on the place that's your place to, at least to begin with. I, I do think that at some point you need, you're going to need to start um, reviewing the mm. actions that you've taken. So that allowing uh, the fan base to feed back, I think is, it, my intuition is that that's becoming more and more important. Yeah. That it's, it's more and more of a, di a, a dialogue between yourself and your fans. Um and, and just checking that you've got the right thing, because you might you might find that initially you think it's going to be this sort of people that like your stuff, and then you discover that there are kind of these other people that are into it. So keeping an eye open for mm. the ways in which your initial thoughts were a bit wrong all the way through the process, I think is is important. Just holding holding the door open for that stuff. But yeah, like to start with, you've got to pick a place to be, and then try and be there, right? Yeah, sorry, I I interrupted. No, 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 absolutely. I think that's absolutely it. It's that you need to, you you kind of have to put your your flag in the ground, and you can take it out and move it afterwards. But you, and that's when right. what comes back to the plan, do and review, um, yep. um sort of system. Um, so I want to talk about. Okay, so one of the things we said. Okay, what you need to do is identify what your audience is. So first, like you know what the broad really broad brush audience music audience is then where does yeah. your tribe fit within that mm. then you've kind of got that figured out okay so i know that they're broadly the age and they're on these platforms and this is where they spend their time they read the, these music blogs then it's okay now how do i reach them how do i get to them and mm. so one of the things i wanted to talk about is this traditional um and now this is because of the, I want to talk about the traditional promo team. And then I want to talk about how it's changed and how you guys think it has changed uh, mm. and what the changes are. So 
from my experience, this is the standard artist promo team. So you've got the artists themselves because they're a pretty important part. Yeah? <laughs> um, then generally you'd have, and this like going from sort of the most traditional round, I suppose, these are the people that be sat around the boardroom table at an artist planning session, uh, planning meeting at the label. Um, you've got the artist, obviously you've got the manager, you've got a, re- a radio plugger. So there's that person obviously gets music on the radio. They plug it to radio stations. It's that simple. So there tends to be a regional radio plugger that will sort of hit up all of those, you know, um, local news stations like, mm. um, you know, BBC Manchester, BBC Lancashire, um, Radio Plymouth, you know, the, the, those kind of local stations. And then there'll be a national radio plugger that will, you know, be targeting capital fm and heart and magic and radio one radio two um then you'll have a tv plugger who is in charge of getting the music on radio uh, sorry in charge of getting the music on tv so that's either getting the artist on a tv show to do a performance like on graham norton or jonathan ross or x factor but also gets the music serviced to tv shows to have the music on in the background so having it on love island or something in the or eastenders or you know getting it on getting it having getting placements basically for the music because especially like one of the biggest drivers actually is i mentioned love island a minute ago it's actually one of the biggest music discovery that and made in chelsea Hmm. and the only ways essex are huge um drivers of music discovery and a lot of the shazams that kind of happen are because somebody was watching those shows heard a song liked it and shazammed it and so it's actually a huge thing to get on those to get on those um shows wow for certain for certain acts obviously for certain acts it's not appropriate and this comes back to you know defining your audience um then for there's online press and print press so again you know getting blogs coverage um getting sort of music uh industry publication like rolling stone and um complex mag um rewind mag etc like the more music focused ones and the more mainstream uh lifestyle magazines and uh and newspapers and uh news sites then there's club promo and obviously that does what it says on the tin it's getting the music played in clubs getting it on dj's um playlists and then there's the paid advertising side of this and it's so in these days this you know traditionally it's been sort of tv advertising so literally when you're you know in the middle of watching coronation street and you get your ad breaks and stuff and then you know an an ad for the big artists of that year will probably pop up somewhere normally in the run-up to christmas radio advertising as well so the paid for advertising space within commercial radio um and then the out of home advertising which is like you know the posters and billboards and um uh, banner ads on the tube stations etc all of those things and then obviously the one of the biggest parts of it now is the paid uh digital and paid social side which is your facebook ads and your youtube pre-rolls and all of that so those are the sort of core um promotional verticals obviously that some of those more digitally focused ones have kind of developed um as we've become a more digitally focused industry and then things mm. like playlist pluggers have now um emerged over the last few years where 
Yeah. It's become, you know, more about getting on Spotify playlists, getting on Amazon playlists, getting on YouTube playlists. So that that's kind of a new role that's, well, I mean, I say new, the last few years, you know, last four or five years, um, but new in the terms of the wider industry, which hasn't really changed that much, like, radio pluggers yeah. and tv pluggers go back to like you know the 30s radio pluggers do yeah. anyway 30s and 40s yeah, definitely so that's like the broad brush and what i kind of wanted to do is just get your thoughts on artists when you're working with them because normally we sort of put them through this machine um and you know they don't necessarily have they know that all of these things or they broadly know that these things exist um but I think a lot of uh, the artists that we're probably going to be talking to are sort of maybe independent artists. And, maybe you know, this is kind of what you have when you've got a label behind you and that's sort of the label machine mm. and the label kind of handles all of that. Um, but how do independent artists get on these channels? How do independent artists, you know, they're obviously not going to be able to afford to run loads of TV advertising, etc. So... Mm how do they promote themselves and how do they reach um reach what, what these do people? you think what, amir what do you think amir to that um well it kind of it, it it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about finding your audience and your tribe and all of these kind of people by looking at where where is appropriate let's put it that way um to be trying to reach out and build your fan base um but for me, I think the thing that's being really screamed throughout a lot of this is strategy and kind of thinking about a strategy. Because like you said, you know, we could have all of the money in the world and we can be like, we're just going to get everyone to yeah. put this out as much as they can. Whereas you might waste your money doing that um, one thing and... That might be a consider considerable amount of money that you could have doubled down somewhere else and and put into that. Now, obviously, one of the big things that comes up is um without the infrastructure of a label, for instance, how do we go about finding the people who are gonna help us to do such things? How are we gonna find TV pluggers, radio pluggers, all of that kind of stuff? Um, and I think um this speaks to stuff that we said before, where we say, you know, we're now in a space and time where people are doing much more independent stuff. Of course, if you're an independent artist, you are doing your own thing. Um, and it's the same with independent PR people, freelance radio, playlist pluggers, or whoever else. Um, I think, I think it's, for many people, it's really just a good idea to think about mm. where they want to go, who's going to be there, and how they're going to get there. When we're talking about putting music out, um, like you said, you know, reality TV shows might be very inappropriate for certain artists, so you know that you're not even going to bother mm. looking there. Uh, if you get it, great. Uh, on the off chance that you get it, that's fantastic. But, you know, um, I would say... Um, have a strategy and and be clever and and know that you can reach many of the service that labels mm, labels already have absolutely that's a good point amir actually is because 
as the industry's sort of become more democratized with streaming or with you know art artists to fan direct sort of tools you know spotify for artists etc and things like mm. that and um tunecore and district and awol and mm, yeah of course many other distributors that, that exist that you can release your music direct to the fan without going through that channel and what labels bring to the mm. table really is obviously the checkbook <laughs> the marketing mm. spend but also the infrastructure the huge infrastructure that they have and the relationships with playlist owners and radio you know uh you know radio companies and um all, all of the various promo team members that we talked about how i'm interested when you have artists that come through your door i mean and and uh, yours ben do you get a sense that they are thinking about that already like how they're they're, they're making their music and then they're getting it recorded now what do they do you get a sense that they have an idea of how they're going to take that music to market? I found by the time they get to me, I'll answer this first. I, um, I find by the time they get to me and, and mm. doing production, recording, all of that kind of stuff, they've got a good mm. idea. They've got a good idea. Um, those people who are serious about stuff, they um, they know essentially what they need to do after the record is done. Mm. Um, and many times something will land with me. It might be a mix. It might be a production. It'll be like, right, well, we've got to get this out to the PR people. So they have a, um, a six-week lead time on the release. And uh, they've already actually got a whole thing um, planned out. So I, I tend to find the people who are properly serious and and that tends to be you know the majority of people that i work with mm. uh, they already kind of know what they're doing they might not know down to a t what's going on uh, they might not have thought all of the different things that they can do however that's by the by um because at least they're thinking about mm. it in that kind of way um oftentimes maybe when you're younger in your career maybe when you're less informed or you might not have such a good team around you you're just going to go i'm going to get the music put it on spotify and see what happens yeah um which isn't really maximizing the opportunity yeah. for you to reach and build your fan base i think that happens a lot doesn't it because artists put you know put out the music and they spend all their time and effort and probably money as well getting it produced and made him paying the musicians whatever and now it's there it's mm. live now what <laughs> hmm. and obviously there's the things that come with spotify for artists now where it's like you can submit it for their uh playlist consideration uh but beyond that it's like what do i do where do i start and it can be quite daunting i think because yeah i think so because Particularly if you're thinking of reaching, let's say, even a million streams. Mm. That's the goal you set for yourself, right? You need to be able to get that thing played a million times. And that can be quite daunting because a million people, well, that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sometimes, I guess, just from an encouragement perspective, that, that, that becomes a bit an, of an overwhelming task for one person to do as well. So the encouragement really is if you are considering having, you know, um, people, I would say, in your team, if they're freelance, they're their own people, but people who can assist you 
in achieving that because it, it's it's very achievable with great music. It, it really is, and I think it's about actually staggering it basically so rather than going i'm gonna try and be everywhere overnight <laughs> it's actually okay well for the sort of you know for acts that i've worked with like take just you know it's normally having a staggered approach so for the first single and i say single because it's like you know i talk about traditional single promotional cycles but actually let's just say you're putting out music. I don't even refer to it as a single. I'm putting out a song. I put it out on my streaming channels. You know, it's available on digital platforms, whatever. Maybe for the first one, it's like, okay, this first one I'm putting out, just getting, you know, my feet wet as an artist. And it's actually, if I get on five playlists for this track, that's that's great. As long as they're five playlists that are kind of in the right genre or in the right theme or the right... Um, aesthetic for sort of my art for the type of artist I am okay and then you build on that for the next one and build and I think that's the thing that artists I think to realize that actually you can break this up into you know for, for this first track I'm just trying to get it on a few playlists and just get some just a little bit of awareness a little bit of followers then for the next one I'm going to try and take that and build upon it and maybe get a little bit of blog coverage because once I do that, then I can say, "Oh, I had this nice little write-up in this blog. I got added mm. to these playlists," and that starts to build a bit of momentum. Then, and then you can kind of start seeding that out to other people, and that's when you start creating. You know, because to build the fan base, you have to get in front of people first. What you have to do is make your own. You know, we've talked about branding in in. Um, the episodes before and Ben that's something that kind of you're you know in terms of artist archetypes and artist identity you're doing work for them way before that like early on so that they've got that they understand who they are they've got their artist brand defined they've got their website they've got their social media channels they've got like a clear view of who they are but now you need to get in front of people so that when they land on your channels they then get who you are and can make the decision whether or not they want to follow you and they want to engage with you and want to learn more and be and you know become a fan and i think actually from my a lot of my experience and again i'd like to get your thoughts on this is they think it's going to be some oh as soon as i get my track released through the sort of traditional label system or even you know if i get it on like one spotify playlist or something or it's going to just take Mm. off Mm. and actually you know working for uh like artists i've worked even when they are signed to a major label um uh, they they still you know instance looking at five seconds of summer which is one of the bands i've worked with we start it started from kind of like you know 2011 2012 sort of and it wasn't until 2014 we put out a official single so before that it was lots of limit lots of releases absolutely but i'm not calling them singles because they didn't go through all the kind of you know, we didn't go. We weren't trying to achieve a chart position, for instance. Mm. So it was lots mm. and lots of limit of, of releases on Spotify, on iTunes, on various platforms. You know, little EPs to get to the stage of um, being in a position to then kind of break through, I suppose, and then really be like, this is a single proper. That took a good few years to get to that stage. Do you get the sense that artists? N- are in it for the long haul and get that each time it's just about building up because the, the thing that um, just stuck for me 
uh, Amir, is when you said about it being daunting, because it is a daunting task, because it's like, I want to be there. I want to be at the top of the mountain and I've got the whole thing to climb. Yep, Um, But actually it's about each... I don't need to get to the top. I just need to get to this next little bit here and then a little bit here. And actually breaking it down that way, I think, can make it less... That's a good analogy as well. You know, um, you get to base yeah. camp and then the other camp and the other camp and you're like, yeah, wicked. What do you think, Ben? Because um, you see a lot of artists in um, proper early development, mm. don't you? Yes. So, potentially. Yeah. You, so. Ben gets artists when they're like, I'm nowhere near the mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just left. True. I'm just thinking about leaving my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. And there's a few There's a few things that are coming up for me as you, as you two are talking, actually. Um, and this, this, uh, there's a big, there's a big question mark here over like, when is it, when is it ready? Mm. Right. Mm. And there's, there's, there's something about when you were talking about, you didn't, there were releases, but you didn't call them singles. Mm. There's something about labeling a thing, a single and saying, right, this is the, this is the one where we're going to get, try and get a chart position and naming it the single, um, where it's like, right, we're ready to go now. Mm. But all of those previous releases on the way to that place, there's there's a sense of uh, like a snowball mm. growing each time. And every single one of those little, those little releases on the way is a chance to run around the um, plan, do, review cycle. Mm-hmm. And just yep. check in that you're that you're in the right ballpark. So that thing I was talking about earlier about the about the fans and about how you might have an idea in your mind about who your fans are going to be, and then you start your journey. And so it, you say it was three years before the single was released. So that's three years of potential massive changes in terms of fashion, in terms of which which social media um, yep. um, platform is the is the one the up and coming one. Did. Yeah at the time um and so each starting starting little and just snowballing means that you can just just keep checking in that you're on the right path and you're and you're testing and you're testing and you're testing um also i think the other thing as well is this thing about kind of building a building a list now I know this is a, like a, a, a an online marketing thing, right? Building list by by building list. What I'm what perhaps what I'm, I'm really talking about is what, whatever mechanism that you've got, there needs to be some form of feedback, um, kind of back into uh, the outfit, right? Mm. So um, if you're if 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 the aim is to get on some playlists, right? And you're doing some gigs. Well, don't just do some gigs, right? Do some gigs, and and get some email addresses. Uh, make sure you've got your socials all over the place so people can get in touch, and go and speak to speak to speak to your fans mm. afterwards. Um, you know, in person or in kind of any way that you can. Now, don't go begging for opinions. Mm. I don't think. Like, don't be out like, oh, here, here's our next release. Did you like it? Yeah. Right. That's not cool. Because um, what, what, kind of what you're doing there is um, you're, you're giving the, your fans, uh, the, the, there's more of a potential that they're going to start viewing you negatively if you give them the option to. 
Right. Uh, and 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 there's also a question about well, you shouldn't be releasing anything if you're not confident mm. in it. Right. Mm. Whether it's a, whether it's a single or not or an album or, or whatever, yeah. you, you, it, you should be feeling like this is for now at least the best that we've got. And so you don't want to be apologetic about it. But you can read in other ways whether you're on the right track or not. Um, and by being on the right track, that doesn't necessarily mean changing your music. Like, mm. like your music needs to be what, what, whatever, um, whatever's, whatever's driving you. I saw a really interesting little little snippet of an interview with um, uh, Jacob Collier the other day, and he used a really great phrase. He talked about, um, he said, you need to follow your goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as an mm-hmm. artist, that's what you need to be doing. Like if you're making music that you're not, that's yeah. not lighting you up in any way, then you're in trouble. So yeah. be wary of kind of taking the feedback from the audience and then assuming that they're right and that you need to change. Mm. It, it's probably, probably what's healthier is for you to be like, okay, so, so maybe that, that type of person isn't, isn't perhaps right. Like it doesn't need to be Maybe it's not for them. Maybe this music is just not for them, and that's fine. Yeah, you don't need to hate them. There doesn't need to be any animosity. It, mm. You don't need to get into arguments with your fans. You know, none of that. Yeah. But it's just okay. I thought this kind of person was going to like my stuff, and I went and played a bunch of those venues, yeah. and the feedback wasn't that good. Um. Then, the, if if that was if that's going to happen to you, then you've got then a, a question to ask. Okay, so this is the best that I can do right now. Is it good enough? And, or this is the best I can do right now. And I'm, and I'm putting it in front of the wrong people, the wrong people. Maybe I'm playing the wrong venues, playing the wrong, Mm. playing the wrong venues. I've got the wrong idea in my mind about uh, stylistically where I lie, the wrong idea. Um, And like all of us are human. We, We can't just instantly know uh what how the world is going to respond to what we do mm-hmm. so you know allowing that slow build that you've talked about is really really i think yeah really key and that's the thing because when you get that feedback it's and you're in that reviewing mode mm. it's not just so oh I've made the wrong type of music. It's, ah, I'm right. probably not putting it in front of the right people. So mm. maybe yep. I review where i'm putting it and maybe actually maybe i'm going to try and get it on a different type of playlist and maybe i'm going to go after a slightly different maybe i'm the, on the wrong not on the wrong but maybe i'm haven't found where my sweet spot is yet maybe i haven't found where because there's an audience for almost everything <laughs> if it's good yeah if it's good there is an audience for almost anything there are some of the most niche music you've ever heard especially now with you know you can find like playlists on spotify and on amazon apple deezer soundcloud i'm just trying to name all of them um (laughs) for 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 almost everything you know it really is and even pre-streaming you know there'll be like a basement of a record store where there's some you know niche shelf of super niche stuff there is an audience for anything and if you can find those people and go where they are it's it's sort of finding where your people are and i think if you're happy with the, the music that you've created you believe in it it's then just, I'm not going to doubt myself. I'm not going to second guess myself and be like, oh, I have to create a whole different type of music to get to these people. It's, you need to go and find 
where they are. You just haven't found them yet. That's, I think, what it is. Yes. Yeah. And some of that might mean that you then make the decision, okay, because there are was, there was some really niche like genres where pretty much no one is making their sole living from, from just selling their own music, right? Mm. You know, and then uh, this... You, you then may end up needing to do some other stuff on along mm-hmm. the side, whether that's musical or unrelated. But it, but like, make peace with that. Like, if mm. if if the fan base for your stuff is is so limited because it's so out there, um, and yet the music that you're making like feeds your soul in the way that perhaps it ought to, then just like that's just a, that's that's life and find a way of making it work so that it, it makes up a, a portion rather than the entirety of your income. Mm, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 like use this phrase like dipping your dipping your toes in the water each time. Just check is yeah. is, is it the right temperature? Okay, no, not yet. Right. Well, let's have a rethink. Or go and dip my my toe in a different pool and see if that's ah, okay. That one's right. Right. I'm gonna put my foot in a little further next time. A little further. Okay. So it's yeah, it's constantly upgrading and evolving. Mm. Um. And, and believing as well, like, yeah. you know. That's the thing. I think it's hard to keep that belief, isn't it? If you're like, oh, I don't seem to be getting any momentum with the music I'm putting out. Because it, it, mm. obviously I think most artists are probably quite sensitive about the music they put out. And maybe that's a generalisation. But I think, you know, you want people to like it. Otherwise, you... But some people maybe don't. They're like, I put it out, I really don't care <laughs> you can feel whatever way you feel about it quite often people say that and it's a kind of a front though as well i think they still care yeah because you want of course you want people to like it's it's about connection isn't yeah. it it's you yeah. know artists want to move people you know so yeah. it's the, the the old the age-old quote of uh you know love it or hate it i want you to feel something i want like you to feel something i want you to feel moved in some way exactly Thanks for listening to Charting Tracks. We'll be back next week with part two of this episode. Until then, you can check out the rest of our episodes on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at at Charting Tracks. Uh, In the meantime, please feel free to message us with any of your questions or feedback. And until next week, thanks for listening.